60 minutes that we were on court, you will basically do whatever it takes. And it's, it's just an incredible thing to feel when you're standing beside the girls singing the national anthem and to, to go out and represent your country. It can't be, it can't be replicated anywhere else. It was, it was one moment that I came home from training one day and Mark and I always had this rule that we kind of never brought work home. And he said to me, he said to me this one evening, we're sitting down having dinner and he goes, you know how when we were first together and you'd come home and sometimes you'd whinge about like the older girls in the team, the old grumpy ones, he's like, you've turned into one. Hey legends, from Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted a series where we chat to women doing brilliant things in the wellness space. I'm Features Editor Alex Davies. My guest today is an icon of Australian netball. Laura Geitz was an absolute force on the court, a fearless defender who captained her beloved Queensland Firebirds and the Aussie Diamonds to great success, including world championships and a gold at the 2014 Commonwealth Games. Since retiring in 2018, the Rebel Ambassador and mum of two is still making her mark on the game. She does media commentary, runs netball clinics, mentors other athletes, and has even designed a netball clothing range. Last year, the Firebirds renamed their Most Valuable Player Award as the Laura Geitz Medal, highlighting how Laura, or Geitzy, really is the ultimate MVP. We caught up to chat about epic netball rivalries, the wonderful chaos of parenthood, and how what we see as a weakness can actually turn out to be our biggest strength. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we're recording this in March and you've just been with us to record a really fantastic panel um, for International Women's Day. And you've flown in from Queensland early this morning. It's been an early start. <laughs> but tell Are us. You looking at my eyes. <laughs> like, There's no judgment whatsoever. But I guess, you know, you're a parent as well. So a lot of starts probably are pretty early. What's a typical morning like in your household? That's right. Well, it's kind of, I'd love to know what a typical morning is. And, you know, <laughs> being a creature of routine for so many years, I try to obviously have some form of structure and routine. But as anyone with little ones knows, that that can go out the window very quickly and it's on their time so I feel like all parents now are like nod nod yeah yes (laughs) yes exactly I have to say both both of our little boys have been really really good little boys but I think it's just the organization that goes into getting out the door which I totally had no understanding of prior to children as to you know just the process the work really begins I believe about an hour and a half before you actually (laughs) have to get in that car to get out. So it was a little bit more streamlined this morning, having them both asleep. I wouldn't change it for the world, that's for sure. So you've got Barney, who's three, is that right? And then Frank, Frankie, who's about eight months or so now, is that right? that's right. And it's funny, like, even though they're still so young, their personalities are really coming through. And Barney is the intense, excited, bullet a gate, 100 miles an hour, you know, has to be doing something, zero to 100 kind of child. And Frankie, even though he's he's just seven months, he just seems to have this real calmness about him and very at ease and hopefully that um, might continue. So I'd love to go back, obviously talking about your kids, but let's talk about when you were a kid because I'd love to know about your early days of playing netball. And I've heard some brilliant anecdotes I think you've spoken about before of your mum 
of taking you to training and to games and it almost being like a military op to make sure you got there on time. And yeah, tell me about some of those memories for you. I, I did. I, I obviously played so much sport growing up, but it wasn't until I was sort of teenage years that I came across netball. And I just, I just loved the game. I loved that it was just fast. It was exciting that the position I played defence, I could be aggressive and away from the court, I, I like to think that I'm not an aggressive person, my husband <laughs> might argue. But it was where I could just, I suppose, you know, really let that case of white line fever run wild. So I just fell in love with with the game from the moment I played. And I live two and a half hours away from, well, we live two and a half hours from Brisbane. So in terms of as I was starting to progress and, and make more teams, the, the training requ- requirement was a lot more. So you can imagine, you know, parents running up and down the Cunningham Highway two and a half hours each way and you know mum and dad were incredible in the amount that they supported me and I'd love to know how much money they spent on petrol you know from all those years combined. Mum picked me up at 3.10 in the afternoon after school she would have a toasted sandwich cheese and tomato wrapped in (laughs) sounds horrific now wrapped in alfoil I'd jump in the car, it'd be like the tomato would be all soggy and I'd be like sitting there after a day of school and the worst part was that it tasted amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're like, I'd love a cheese and tomato sandwich right now. (laughs) And we used to head down the the highway and then we had this one particular service station and it was called the Mobile at Amberley that like we'd get out, we knew to the minute what time I would arrive there and quick dash into these horrific toilets and I'd be throwing my school uniform over the the toilet cubicle and mum would be throwing my joggers and my bike shorts, my training singlet the other way and it'd be a quick change back in the car and then yeah to training and you know really from years 10 through to 12 we did that to allow me to progress and further my career which was you know forever in debt to to mum and dad for that that's for sure. It's nice quality time I think to have as well like I feel like car journeys I know they could be long and tedious but sometimes it's actually really nice to have that time with people you love who are you know driving you and you just nothing to do but talk and yeah a hundred percent you know the conversation the quality time the uninterrupted time there was no phones like I think about now you jump in a car and you're scrolling like Instagram aren't you and there's very rarely a moment that we disconnect at times and yeah the power of conversation is an amazing thing and it was it was at the time we didn't really understand you know that it was special but I think the other part of it was it was just really lovely to have mum and dad a part of the journey from start to finish. And you were talking so I was saying earlier that you just took part in an International Women's Day panel for us and one of the things you were talking about was being very conscious about your height when you were younger um, cause how, how tall were you when you were a teenager? Six one or is that yeah. right? Six one. And yeah. can you tell me about kind of, I guess you were saying that you'd really come to reflect on that as a strength for you. Yeah, it was, I, you know, I did all my growing at once and at 12 years of age, you know, heading into my 13th year at six foot one, changing, changing from primary school to a high school, not having a friend base at my new school, really probably resembling a, a boy more than anything. Even the the issues that I had with growing so quickly, the growth pains, I remember I'd have really sore pains in my heels and my knees because my body was just like, had done this tremendous amount of growing in such a short period of time. And then, you know, there's the physical pain, but then there was also the emotional, I suppose, 
people telling you, oh gosh, like, you know, you're so tall. And, and we'd always joke about it as netballers, if we were ever walking through an airport, people feel they have the need to come up to you and tell you that you're tall. And we'd always <laughs> like say, <you> don't know. <laughs> yeah. And we'd go, do we ever walk up to somebody and say, gosh, you're small, you know, and it's like, it never happens, does it? But the amount of times that people come to you and feel that it's necessary for them to tell you that you're really tall is is quite strange. We've just been told that, or I've been told that for so long. And, and, you know, when you are not confident within your height and you feel, you know, like everyone's looking at you and, and you question why do you have to look this way when you just want to be normal and you just want to fit in. At the same time, parents' advice, which is hard to listen to at the time, was, you know, it's, it's gonna, you're going to love your height one day. It's going to be, who knows, it, it, it could be something that really helps you and you hear all those things, but until you actually see it developing, you don't understand it yourself. So now when I reflect on my 13-year-old self and what I say to young girls is, yeah, what you hate the most about yourself, what you think potentially is your biggest weakness can actually turn out to be your biggest strength. Yeah, especially for you as well on the court. I can imagine those moments of maybe towering above someone and smacking or getting a block out the way and you're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and there's nothing else that compares to to that feeling of, you know, fierceness and competing and and the work that you put in to your training to be fit and strong, and and then when you step out on court, you know you, you are you've got you've got the muscles, you've got the fitness, you've got the strength, you've got the power. There's something exhilarating about having pushed your body to the absolute extreme to to reach that destination, and it's like childbirth. You know, people don't know what they're capable of until they're put in that position, and you come out the other side, and you actually really. You know, you can be told you're you're amazing and you've done a fantastic job, but the minute you actually believe that you've done a fantastic job is is truly special. And obviously, you know, you put in the hard yards when you were younger and with your family and you went on to have fantastic success. You had a long career and there must be so many, but is there something that stands out for you as the a favourite memory or a sweetest win or something that really sticks out? Yeah, look, like the right answer would be premierships and, you know, gold medals at at World Cups or Commonwealth Games and and they are so special because they're the the moments that you can pass on and and show your children and they can see those moments if they watch the games back and and that's a really beautiful thing to celebrate now retiring and and when you're playing you always chase a milestone event that you can be a part of that's what's in your, your sights when you step away from the game what I found is it's not those moments that you reflect most upon. It's the moments that you have within the sport itself and, and the girls and and the funny moments that when we catch up, we talk about them. We don't talk about the wins. And you will sit and entertain and laugh and enjoy those funny little things that are totally unscripted that will stay with us forever. And that's what I miss most about the sport of, you know, not playing. And and now that's what I'm most grateful about is that that was just the best time. And 
I always thought to myself I was playing netball, I loved it. When I finished, I realised I was so lucky to have done what I absolutely love to do every day of my life with the best people by my side and I totally took that for granted when I played. It's so nice that you're all still friends and you're in touch now and things and it's a sisterhood, right? Oh, it is. And I always used to think the funny thing was you'd go to training in the morning. It'd be 5.30 in the morning, everyone would be wiping the sleep out of their eyes and then by 6am everyone was blah, 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 blah until we started training. We'd all go home, we'd train, we'd be absolutely exhausted, we'd all get in our cars, go home, we'd come back in the afternoon for the afternoon session. We hadn't seen each other for four hours and you'd swear that we hadn't seen each other for four months. <laughs> like it was like, oh, what have you been doing today? You know, <laughs> oh, I did this, this, this. And it's and it was just that energy and that's, you know, that's why I, I played netball, I played the team sport of netball because of the interaction, the socialisation, the community that netball provides and just the fun element of it. I know team sport's not for everyone, but for me it brought out the best in me as an athlete on and off the court. I'd love to know if you have any or you had any sort of pre-game or post-game rituals or anything that really got you in the zone at halftime, something fun you'd all do together? Or... Yeah, I think individually everyone's got their their little bits and pieces that they carry on with. As my career went on, I started developing superstitions and routine that then I did it once, then I, you know, if it was a success I had to, if we won, I had to continue to do it. So I would always strap my left ankle before my right ankle, put my left sock on, right sock, left shoe, right shoe. And if I if I did it any other way, I felt completely unraveled in a way. I'd have to have my dress and everything, everything that I wore for the game had to be laid out, ready to go the night before. And and yeah, it was, it was strange how that kind of developed over, over my career, particularly towards the end. Sport is very superstitious, lots of different sports. It seems to have that, you know, even if it's around crowd behaviour and player yeah. behaviour and things, there's a lot in that, right? Yeah, there is. I think it I think it comes down to the preparation. I think, you know, you do so much preparation in terms of training and an element of that is out of your control. You put, you know, your preparation into the hands of your coaches and your strength and conditioning. So everything's sorted in that domain. But here I am over here and this is what I can control. And I suppose all athletes to some point point are control freaks and you have to be you know you have to put yourself first to make sure that you do the hard work to to be in a position to be you know the best player for your team and and the best athlete you can be so our friends at men's health their new issues just come out with the basketballer patty mills on the cover and he talks about it inside the inside the magazine saying that he's a different beast when he pulls on the green and gold when he mm. plays for his country and i wonder what that is like you know, many people won't get to ever experience that at that kind of level. What's it like to play for your country? Yeah, I I was actually lucky enough to, when you talk about Paddy, um, I was at the AIS when Paddy was on scholarship. I was on scholarship with Netball, obviously, and he was down there for basketball. And, you know, we used to go and watch him play and he would just duck and weave. He was so fast. And all due respect to all the the guys that he used to play against, but he just had this X factor, and and he w- we would go to watch Paddy because he was just so entertaining. I think that's the thing. I think when you play on the national level or at the elite, there there it's an entertainment. You, people are coming to watch you play, and that's that's really exciting. That gets the endorphins, the indre- adrenaline running. And it is, you know, you, you play for your country. I, I used to think, you know, there was there's nothing else that compares to that feeling. You are out there to win. You will win it 
all costs. You'll put your body on the line and you just have this desire to compete. And, you know, for that 60 minutes that we were on court, you will basically do whatever it takes. And it's it's just an incredible thing to feel when you're standing beside the girls singing the national anthem and to, to go out and represent your country. It can't be it can't be replicated anywhere else, I don't believe. And it's it's it does. It unleashes a different personality within people. You feel like you can be somebody different out there and to get the job done that you have to get done. Talk to me then about epic rivalries. I'd love to know over the years, is New Zealand the kind of biggest one you reflect on that is right with the Aussie in the netball and yeah. is that the biggest one? I was a defender. So naturally my job, and this is what I say to young girls and I can sometimes like see parents just kind of cover their ears and go, please don't tell our young girl that. <laughs> I say, you're a defender. Your job is to intimidate. You're out there to be physical. You're there to win the ball. Like you're there to scare the absolute living daylights out of your goal shooter. And if you've got any other mentality than that, you're not going to be a good defender because that's that's what you have to be. You have to be you have to be scary. You have to be aggressive. You know, it is. It's that rivalry of and and that presence that you step out on court and you goal shooter wherever she's from. You just want to see the fear in her eyes and you know that that's when it's game on. And for me, probably the biggest rivalries was a hundred percent was New Zealand as a youngster. I was introduced against Irene Van Dyke, the best, one of the best goal shooters in the world, you know, so talk about being thrown in the deep end. And I, now looking back, I think, gosh, how lucky was that just to, you know, when you're so raw and unsure to come up against the best. And she was a lovely person off the court, but we used to have some real battles out on court. And I used to love it when it got physical, give you an elbow and it'd be like, come on, this is game Free, on. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I actually used to love that. And it's not a non-contact sport, but we know it. it is a contact sport. But I used to love the biff. I felt like that really brought the best out of me as a as a player out on court. So you returned for a season and the Com Games after having Barney, I think is that right? And, yeah. and then you retired in 2018. How did you come to make a decision like that? Kind of what drove that choice for you? Yeah, I, I we always wanted, Mark and I, my husband, we always wanted to have a family. And Mark being a little bit older than me, he's seven years older, was always, you know, when when will we start a family? And I was obviously like very much in the world of, of netball. So I felt like I always had time. But now I'm so glad that we did have Barney back then because the time just goes so, so quickly. Um, and I think I always was afraid that if we did have a child, then I'd have to give netball away and I just wasn't ready to give it away. And then obviously when the landscape of particularly netball changed where it allowed women to return once they had a child just seemed to be the perfect opportunity and definitely did think you know I probably need to give netball away because how do I how do I do the two do I return um, physically in a position where I was prior to having a child but the best piece of advice I was given there was only retire when you've exhausted all your love for the game and I just hadn't exhausted all my love for the game. So with a village of support, being my family behind me, I was able to do that. It was it was challenging. I'm really glad that I did it, but I don't think it could have. It, it for me, wasn't sustainable to, you know, to continue to play and, and balance motherhood. It was... I had a bit of a tussle with when I was at training, I felt like I had to be at home. And when I was at home, I felt like I should 
be back, you know, giving the girls what I I had given to them previous to. So I suppose that's the world of motherhood though, isn't it? Being introduced into a very, very different world where you feel guilty a lot of the time. Yeah. Did you feel supported in that sense by the netball community as well in terms of you were saying about being able to go back after you had Barney? Is that it's a supportive environment as you found it? It was amazing, you know, like I was I was able to travel with Barney. I was able to travel with a nanny, which was my mum, and it was an incredible experience to have him a part. He won't obviously remember it, but it was incredible to have him a part of it and and they were they were inc- they were amazing allowing me to to step in and and support me in the way that they did yeah it was really it was really special like netball as a sport has made a lot of huge leaps in terms of female athletes and how women can kind of be in the sport in terms of pay and support and things like that you know is that right what kind of moves have you seen or been part of that you feel like are really blazing a trail in that sense yeah it is I mean that's probably during my time of playing was 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 the biggest I suppose step in the right direction was you know allowing women to return into the game post children and to have the support in place that they that they do I think also you know the game the game obviously with a broadcast on free to air television with nine now is is you know that's incredible for exposure for young girls parents to to sit down it's in every Australian living room now which is is really really special and we are the highest participated sport in Australia but we've never had the competition that we've had with you know the AFLW and and the rugby league and the sevens and the cricket and and all these other wonderful codes that we see popping up which is exciting but at the same time it's competition for us and you know, I'll always be very biased to netball because it's given me so much. So I, I want to see our sport continue to grow and develop. But we need to make sure that, you know, we're doing the right things now to stay ahead of the game and to make sure that we, we do keep girls in our game. So that's something that I know is such a priority for you is about thinking about the next generation. I remember I watched um, a YouTube video of your retirement speech when you finished up at the Firebirds and you said something that your wonderful father had told you about leaving something in a good place for the next generation to carry that on and that's so important to you I think. Yeah it is it's you know I I think that with anything in life if you're in a position to then to take that position and you know that was me in sport to the best place that I could take it and then ensure that you've you know from where you've picked it up you've left it in a better place and and you know when it's your time to step away and when it's someone else's time to step in and and take it on from you and you know I think the power of storytelling is exceptionally important to our younger generation because as we do see our sport explode and and women's sport in general explode We also have to, I think, pay a lot of respect to the women that have gone before us and really were the real trailblazers in a way, you know, that really went about and and did the things that we're celebrating a whole lot more, but they did it quietly because they didn't potentially have the voice that we might have. They didn't have the exposure that, that we are getting now, but that's not to say they didn't do it. You know, I remember our assistant coach at the Commonwealth Games who was in her 70s, she said to me, she came up to me and she said, do you think you're a bit of a rock star? 
coming back, <laughs> playing after a kid. And I said, oh, I, no. She goes, well, I did it after three. And I was like, well, there you go, <laughs> you know. And it's true. I thought, yeah. And, and they played over in the UK and they were – went over by ship and were three months away from their children. You know, these are the incredible stories that we have to make sure we tell the next generation coming through so they know that the sport is in the position it's in because of what others have done prior to. And while it's really incredible and important for me to empower our next generation, it's also really important to me to respect our older generation of, of, of people that have played a significant role. So after you retired, I'd love to know, and I think this can apply to people going through any sort of transition or change in their life, what helped you actually navigate such a big career and life change like that? Well, I think what I said earlier was um, only retire when you've exhausted all your love for the game. And I think 12 months with a baby in tow, travelling around the country training, I definitely reached that point. You just generally exhausted. I was, and I, was I, was like, <laughs> I know the definition of exhaustion now, so this must be it. It's time to, to call it quits. Oh, it, was, it was one moment that I came home from training one day and Mark and I always had this rule that we kind of never brought work home or, you know, we'd, we'd speak about stuff, but, you know, it was like, that's what we've done for the day. How was your day? Yep, great, move on. And he said to me, he said to me this one evening and sitting down having dinner and he goes, you know how when we were first together and you'd come home and sometimes you'd whinge about like the older girls in the team, the old grumpy ones, he's like, you've turned into one. <laughs> You're her. I was like, all right, well, that's definitely time. (laughs) I think my priorities had changed. I was a mum and as much as netball was a huge part of my life, it just didn't come close to to being mum to Barney at that stage. And I felt like I had to put more time and effort into being a mum. And what I said earlier too, like I felt like I'd taken the sport to where I could take it and it was time for someone else to come in and, and take over. And that's not to say it was a really easy transition because it was really difficult. You live this structured routine lifestyle for a decade of your life and then it abruptly stops. It literally just finishes. You wake up and you think Monday used to be physio training then to this and I don't ever have to do that ever again. The thoughts of I never have to strap my ankles ever again, something that you did twice a day every day. Like, you know, all these little things that you just you do, you're treading water for quite some time and it's a really bizarre feeling when you when you step away from the game and you know that you're never going back to play. How did you find that? I guess, you know, you have Barney to give you a sense of structure in a way, but did you find putting a, some different structure in for yourself helped with that transition? Yeah, yeah like, I mean, obviously um, I was all of a sudden at home a lot more with Barney, so I did exactly that. I felt like each day had to be, you know, morning tea at this time and then we'd go outside and play and then we'd have a sleep and then, you know, that was that's what I just naturally tried to do because that's what I was so used to. And then I, I sort of thought, well, where to from here? Like what what do I what do I do when people ask me what do you do? I think it's just that that huge transition period where it's it's quite normal to feel like that and I think it was important for me to feel a little bit lost at times and I, I did have Barney, so I I felt like, yeah, like he was – it was just time for me to be mum and enjoy him and I, I hadn't obviously had that work role that I could step into in terms of an occupation. I just – I suppose – 
at the time just kind of went, well, this is this is my new life and I'm just going to take time to enjoy Barney and, and see what comes next. So as I said, it was just like me treading a little bit of water there for, for a little bit of time. Yeah. And obviously at the moment, I think so you do media commentary and it's netball clinics that you run and you've designed a netball clothing range for schools and teams as well. And obviously you have ambassadorships with groups like Rebel you know, when you were approaching your career after being on the netball court, was it these kind of conscious decisions that you made or sought out? Or was it a case of what opportunities kind of came in your path? How did you approach that? Yeah. And, and that's the really interesting question, because now when people say to me, what, what do you what do you do after? What are you doing now that you finished playing? You know, I my response is, I can't actually tell you in a short answer. But my answer is I couldn't be happier because I've got so much variety in my life. I'm a mum. I get to spend really quality time with with my boys, which is really special to me. I work with some wonderful brands as an ambassador, and that can be anything from mentoring young athletes through Rebel to to doing work with Suncorp. You know, there's just so many different things that that I'm involved with there. I'm obviously still have that touch with netball through the the commentary and still see the young girls coming through and that's really great and as you just mentioned probably my latest venture is is the um, collaboration with Tribal Sport in designing some netball uniforms which is really exciting it was something that you know I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to do I just didn't have the resources or the time and and I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason and that's very much you know what's happened since I've finished the sport is things that I've always had of interest in it and now coming to the forefront a little bit more and I, I do have the time to, to do it and that's probably something really exciting for me is is developing this range and, and seeing it out there being worn by clubs and even at the elite level. Talk to me about life as a mum and with the boys. Is being a parent anything like you imagined it would be? Or... I think you know, when, when you fall pregnant, there's just so much excitement and then everyone feels like they can, you know, pass their advice on to you about do this and do that and make sure you enjoy your cup of coffee from start to finish while it's hot and you just think, what are these people on about? And then all of a sudden these little creatures come into your life and they turn your world completely upside down and you feel every emotional, every emotion under the sun that you can imagine, that you can imagine, you know, there's there's elation, there's happiness, there's sadness, there's fear, there's joy, there's every emotion that you can imagine you feel. And these little tiny, wonderful humans that have come into your life are just so precious. I was growing up to the, the biggest value and, and the most important thing in life was always family. Um, and now, you know, that that stays with me. And, and that's why I say, like, I... I, it's important for me to be really present in my boy's life and I'm very lucky that I'm in, in a position to be able to do that and I don't take it for granted. And I have a an amazing village that supports me to allow me to do things because it, it does, it takes a village to raise children, a child, and at the very beginning you think you can set out and do it all by yourself but I think it's it's impossible to. You need help from others and... Um, and it's okay to ask for that help, that's for sure. Yeah, so you're speaking about your mum as well. Is that your kind of one of your main support <coughs> networks? Yeah, mum, oh, look, mum has been incredible. 
to me and to the boys. Today she is at home looking after both the boys and, you know, 15 weeks ago she had open-heart surgery. Um, And, you know, she's just an inspiration. She's incredible with them. They love her and and Mark's mum, Zelda, is is also just such a support and and you know Mark is is amazing we just we're so lucky that we've got family that are close by that are willing and able to help and then I can come home to these happy little boys and and that's that's the thing of all the wonderful amazing opportunities and experiences netball gave to me you get home and you look into those little boys eyes and nothing compares to that and I often say that to Mark I say that's why we just have to continue to have more because they're going to grow up and they're going to move on and he looks at me and goes and you're crazy and and we will be divorced (laughs) so you might have a tribe but we won't be together (laughs) we won't have the village (laughs) oh but they're just I you know I I just am very grateful and I just love being a mum it's just it's incredible do you feel like becoming a parent, especially from going into, um, from being an athlete, has your perspective of what health means changed over that time? Yeah, you definitely, you know, I'm probably a bit paranoid at the best of times. So fear creeps in a little bit more because you just go into protect mode. You These little people are, are your everything and you don't want anything to to hurt them and yeah health is is something that becomes so paramount you want to you want to give them the best opportunities you want to make sure that they're the best little versions of themselves that can be and I wish I could sit here and say you know I prepare wonderful lunch boxes and um, no junk and no treats and all that sort of stuff and yes they lead a healthy active lifestyle and and most of the time we do but at the same time, life gets busy. I'm the last person to ever judge on on people and how they get out the door. And and you know, if if a child opens its lunchbox and there's there's nothing in there, the the I would have before children gone. Oh my gosh, you know what's that poor child? But now I totally get, <laughs> get it. Send your kid with tuck shop money, and because life is so busy, and. I just don't think you pass judgment on to others on, you know, how they, they make things work and how they get things done. So Liesl Jones, the wonderful Liesl Jones, was also on our panel earlier and she was saying the same thing. You know, just in life, we're all just trying to get things done and muddle yeah. through and no one's got everything together behind the scenes all the time, right? Oh, 100%. And, you know, I think I'd love our world to as much as I love how connected we all are you know I often see Mark during the middle of the night his phone will go off and he'll check an email and I just think gosh my my parents our our parents would have never been in that position you know the world is becoming such a connected place where people expect things so quickly and that automatically adds a lot of stress onto onto people and pressure and I've, I've had Barney say to me mummy put your phone down and you know those words like really hit home mummy put your phone down because he wants to show me this great new move that he can do on his bike and you know I think it's really important to to make sure that we do stop and we do enjoy the little simple things in life and I know that's really easy to say but doing it's a different matter and 100% you just don't judge people because you don't know you don't know their story. What kind of things for you personally when it comes to wellness are non-negotiable for you? You know, is there a certain workout that you love doing or even just ways you little self-care rituals? Is there anything that really 
keeps you functioning, I guess. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's it's been Pilates post my playing playing career, and that's obviously going through pregnancies. It was a form of exercise that was really great for during pregnancy, post pregnancy. I had a lot of back issues when I was playing netball, and just to. I suppose, nurture myself a little bit more. I often talk about when I finished those last couple of years of my career, I used to walk out of training and I'd have that rush of endorphins. So I felt great about myself. And then I'd drive half an hour home and get out of the car and my knees and my hips and my ankles would be aching and the endorphins had run off. And I remember thinking, I just can't continue to do this to my body, you know. Um, So for me now, my choice of exercise isn't going and flogging my body because I've done that for the last 10 years. It's about doing exercise that I really enjoy, that I feel like, I suppose, nurtures my body in a way that I probably didn't do all those years ago when I was playing. So Pilates for me has been a huge saviour and it's introduced me to introduce me to a whole different community of people as well. A lot of other mothers go, a lot of other people away from netball that just, you know, care about their health and wellbeing and that's been really nice to be surrounded by those people as well. Pilates is amazing. And I remember doing a reformer class once yeah. and then afterwards having to walk down some steps and was absolutely like jelly legs the yeah. whole way. It's deceptive, right? Oh, it yeah. is. And, you know, I, I said to Mark, because he was, he, Mark used to play rugby. He's, he's you know, for a, a big guy, he's incredibly fit. He could go and run 15K if I said go and run 15K <laughs> today. He'd go and do it easily. And I Heard said that to Mark him, gone. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I said to him, come and do a Pilates class, class with me. And he said, oh, I, you know me, I don't like to do exercise that – you know, I don't sweat in. And I was like, all right, I'll come and do a Pilates with me. He goes, do I need a towel? And I said, no, you won't sweat. Just um, come and try it. Anyway, he couldn't walk for 48 hours. He had a towel within the first 10 minutes of the session. And he looked at me within the first 15 and said, this is ridiculous. (laughs) This is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I just thought it is, it is so, it is so hard. You know, it can be as hard or as easy as you want it to be. Do you ever step back on a netball court or have any desire to? (laughs) No, I absolutely have. Like, I I honestly don't think I'll ever play another game of netball. Um, And right at this, this time, I mean, I think, Mark will often say to me, let's let's do a, a joint event. Let's let's go and do a triathlon or something like that. Um, because I obviously have that huge competitive drive to do something along those lines. But right now I I don't and I think I'm I'm okay with that because I just am really enjoying um, you know, walking and, and Pilates and just nice yoga, you know, just very different forms of exercise that I've I've never done really up until this point. I can safely say I'll never do a marathon, but <laughs> I, I think a triathlon would be good and I, I would like to do something competitive again. But right now I just don't have the urge and that's a really nice thing. That no, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To be doing, I guess, exercise and sport that's not, you know, you don't have that competitiveness or it's a different drive to your whole career, I guess. Exactly. It must be really refreshing. It is. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's refreshing and it's it's nice to, you know, take a breath and exercise when I want to. But I also understand and, and know just the importance of it. And, you know, if I don't do it, that that's the only downside of it is that 
there were definitely days I didn't feel like exercising when I was playing, but you get to training and the girls are there and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, yeah, okay, let's do this because it's it's that community feel and, and having others around you to pick you up and, and get you motivated. I mean, I think sometimes when you're left to yourself and you've got kids at home, you find every excuse not to do it. Whereas if you actually have a training buddy or someone to do it with, it holds you that little bit more accountable. So Laura, lastly, I'd love to ask you, so you've obviously you've had a huge impact on the netball landscape and, you know, this international sporting landscape. What would you want to leave anyone listening to this with or watching a netball game, you know, or thinking about playing a netball game? What would you love girls and women to know? I think probably the one thing would be that we've all got very different strengths and I believe the challenge is finding out what sets you apart from everybody else and when you find out, you know, what's your little point of difference, you own it and I think when you become comfortable owning it, the world is your oyster and amazing things happen. So I always I always just say don't try to fit in. You spend so much time trying to fit in. Find out what makes you different and sets you apart from everyone else and, and own it and great things happen. Laura Geitz, you are wonderful. It's been so great talking to you. And yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. Great to chat. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Uninterrupted. How awesome is Laura Geitz? If you like what you're hearing, we'd absolutely love for you to leave us a rating and review. For more from us, pick up the latest copy of Women's Health magazine, say hi on social media or head to womenshealth.com.au. See you next time.